Hello and welcome to The Stockholmer, the podcast that connects you to the most inspiring voices working in Sweden's capital. I never thought like innovation in the way that you do in the tech industry and many nowadays see innovation. But for me, it was innovation more of exploring and trying out new things. I think I got a different perspective of life. That's Caroline Solhö, who grew up on a tiny island in West Sweden and spent her teenage years touring the world as a chef on sailing boats. She has crossed the Atlantic Ocean nine times. But she switched directions in her 20s to study computer science and business in Stockholm and quickly became one of the most talked about graduates in the tech industry. Now she's putting the wind in the sails of Sweden's Me Too campaign. The Stockholmer. This episode comes to you from Epicenter, one of Stockholm's biggest hubs for entrepreneurs and small companies. And Carolyn has booked a meeting room for us called Skywalker, which I think is a pretty cool name. Um, Carolyn, so much to cover with you when it comes to your career. But let's start at the beginning. You spent your entire teenage years and early 20s as a sailor and a chef traveling the world on boats. Very, very different from IT. Yeah, so when I was uh, 14, I started to work on smaller sailing vessels uh, as a chef while being in school. So I brought my homework with me when I was out and I wasn't out like all the time. Uh, and for me, that was kind of, it kind of saved me like uh, because, you know, when I was thir- like 12, 13, 14 there, you know, everybody was drinking alcohol and we thought that was really cool and we smoked and all. But then I started to sail, so I didn't, you know, have the time to do that. And I was so focused on being out and, you know, being on adventures and so on. Uh, I found out that there was this uh, sea chef education. So uh, I'm actually educated sea chef. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so after that, I continued to work on like oil tanks, container ships and those kind of boats for a while. But during this entire time, since I was 14, I had this dream to work on a specific uh, sailing vessel called Gnilla. That was a sailing high school. So uh, I got a job there and I worked there for three years. And that was my last three years of uh, being a sailing chef. Wow. And that was full time yeah, in your early full-time. 20s, while many of your friends would have been going off to university or starting their first jobs in, in cities. Yeah, exactly. What was that like? What was that lifestyle like? For me... Um, you know, just traveling, see the world and experience new things has always been a big part for me and innovation. So I never thought like innovation in the way that you do in the tech industry and that the way that many nowadays see innovation. But for me, it was innovation more of exploring and trying out new things. Uh, right then and there, when I was 23, it was my dream job. I really loved it. I loved, you know, just being out sailing all the time and see like the entire world. But I realized that I don't want to be 40 or 50 and still do this because it's hard for your body. You know, to be a chef is hard. And also like, especially when you're on a boat, when you know have a lot of waves and uh, I decided that it was time to do something else with my life. So I uh, decided to move to Stockholm to start to study. And then I talked to a person that I really look up to. And uh, this person told me that, you know, you should study tech because tech is the future. You know, it's innovation. It's where things happen. And from the beginning, I kind of thought that, uh, you know, tech, it sounds, uh, it sounds a little bit boring. I just saw, you know, that I would sit in front of a computer and programming all day. Uh, but uh, I like new challenges, so I thought, yeah, let's do something I've never done before. So uh, I started to study computer science, and well, here we are. You had a super successful start after studying, uh, or while you were studying, you were shortlisted for Microsoft's IT Girl of the Year in 2016. After starting a greetings card startup while you were still a student, being involved in multiple student hackathons and co-founding various networking initiatives. 
but you now work for Microsoft as a program manager. What does that mean day to day? Well, so, so my role as a program manager is kind of a combination between being a product leader and a product owner. I work kind of with like new technologies. Uh, so, for example, uh, mixed reality, AI, IoT and, and those kind of technologies. And I find companies so that could be all from a startup to a big company uh, that have a specific problem within this area. And then I, together with my technical team, goes in and help them solve this specific problem. Having been so focused on entrepreneurship as a student uh, and setting up your own uh, companies previously, what made you decide to go down this corporate route? Well, when I signed with Microsoft, <laughs> a lot of my friends uh, they just looked funny at me, like, are you really going to work at, you know, this big American corporation? Uh, and no one really thought that I would survive at, uh, at that kind of company. But for me, I see it like a learning path. Like when I started my own companies, uh, I realized that a big issue for me is that I have never worked in a real company before. I worked on boats or in restaurants or so on, but never in a real company. So for me to work at Microsoft is a big learning experience. But the work I do there, it is a lot of entrepreneurship and I also work a lot with entrepreneurs. So there's not really anyone telling me what to do. It's more like this is your goal and I can find out the way there myself. So it's still a lot of fun, even though it's not my own company. And how does your experience, your previous work experience feed into that? What do you think you learned from this kind of random and spectacular experience traveling the world on boats that most people don't have? I think I got a different perspective of life. Like I met a lot of people in their own environment and, you know, from uh, sitting in a Maya village talking with Mayan Indians and learning how to make chocolate uh, to uh, being invited to a small restaurant in um, in Safi, this really small town in Morocco of an old man who owns this restaurant and, you know, he was cooking food and telling me about his life. You know, he never left that town, so he's just, you know, always been there. So I think it's important to go to places that is not very touristy and that is very different from your own life. Mm. You've kept up a very entrepreneurial spirit, though, and a lot of drive um, coming here to Epicenter, both with Microsoft and to network and present. And also, more recently, working hard to showcase sexism and harassment in the IT industry and beyond. And earlier this year, you were the main organiser of the Me Too rallies here in Sweden. And in just four days, you gathered together politicians, celebrities, business people to speak, uh, got a lot of media coverage and made a big impact. Tell us why did you take it upon yourself to 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 pick up that challenge? When I wrote the Me Too hashtag on my Facebook, uh, I got some uh, negative comments from some men who basically said, like, you know, stop complaining or stop whining. You know, this is not a real problem. And then I noticed that other men has did the sem- similar on other women's Facebook status. And I got really angry and frustrated. And I just felt, you know, that I need to do something. So I created a Facebook event and then it just, like took off super fast. I'm sure there were a lot of people sitting at home thinking, I wonder if there'll be an event here in Stockholm, but kind of just imagining it would come from perhaps an even more high profile figure. So I guess it took quite a lot of confidence to just say, well, let's see what happens. Yeah, to be honest, I I was kind of scared because I thought like from the beginning, I just thought that people would think I'm silly and that, you know, people are like, "Ah, what is this, you know? don't think you are someone uh, but then when it started to you know people were actually starting to attend it of course I also got scared because I realized like how am I going to do this like I don't know any politicians or any artists or anything so so, I, so how did you do it mobilizing people in just a couple of days 
Yeah, well, in the Me Too movement, it's such a power. So people were starting to contact me. Like people were contacting me and say like, hi, how can I help? I can get, get a stage for you. And, and I, someone else like, hi, I can help, you know, carry stuff and, and so on. So it was, I think that was like the greatest part with it to really see how people used to come together and wanted to help out so much. And how did it feel when you were actually seeing people physically in place? I mean, a lot of people have been to, uh, gone to a huge amount of effort to make amazing posters and banners and it wasn't a particularly nice day and people still turned out yeah it was just amazing both me and uh, Gabriella the girl I arranged it with we were just you know in shock like people ask me like how how did the day go what happened and I like barely remember anything because it was just yeah it was just such an, such an amazing day to see like see this power and see all these people there Sweden is almost always top or near the top of global lists when it comes to equality. All these lists, the best place to be a woman, best place to be a mum. And I think it is good to remember that it is leaps ahead of many other parts of the world. But I think some some of our global listeners might be surprised to hear that harassment and inequality are being so closely debated here at the moment. I mean, there have been lawyers, actors, media professionals, even school children coming out to talk about this. Yeah, I think one, like good thing with it is that at least it's so equal that we dare to do this in some countries you don't even maybe dare to raise your voice but here people actually dare to do it and you know most people are supportive and i think it's good that it's uh, people are raising their voice it still it has confused quite a lot of men though who i think are not quite sure how to behave now wondering about you know is it okay to to ask someone out is it okay to touch someone's arm i think from now on maybe you should try to understand like the first no is a no because a lot of the time like a part of our culture is this thing where you know you should continue to try because the girl should play hard to get but instead maybe it's like okay if someone doesn't seem interested then just, you know, that person probably isn't interested, you know, move along. It seems so simple, doesn't it, when you put it like that. (laughs) Um, But what do you think is going to happen now? I mean, there's a lot of debate around this hashtag. Is it going to die down? And then what does it mean for women now? Or is this really a pivotal turning point where people are just saying enough is enough and we are going to see more radical changes in society? I definitely think there will be a big change because I think that now people will think more like we will be more considerate from for each other and i think also like one really important part is that a lot of men have started to think about this has started to discuss it and that we all just start to talk about it because i think because sweden has always been seen like such a equal society we kind of forget about these questions because we sort of thought that yeah we are super equal kind of and we're just getting used to it but now since we start to talk to it and you know most people want an equal society what can you share from your own personal experiences of starting out as as a woman in tech here in sweden like in the tech industry i haven't experienced that much of um, harassments and so on and i think that is because like Nowadays, in the tech industry, it's so popular to have more women. And for example, at Microsoft, we are in Sweden, we are more women than men. You never feel like it's a macho culture or anything. For young entrepreneurs and young tech entrepreneurs, it's the same way. You know, you want you want it to be more equal, and you want women because it's kind of a thing to have a lot of women, which is also weird, maybe. But there are situations when you feel that you know, especially older men look at you and like, oh, honey, you know, what are you doing here? 
What are your tips for getting taken seriously in business? Because you are being taken very seriously at the age of only 26. I think, and this is, I understand that this could be like a hard thing to do, but to take actions when it happens. Like if you feel that someone is, like if someone is saying something, something sexist or racist or whatever, like point it out right away. Have you ever done that? I have. And usually they don't mean anything bad with it it's just like they don't understand that it's not appropriate so in that scenario i pointed out but i like i i i don't tell the person you are a sexist i telling them like this joke is so that that person don't feel that i'm attacking them personally but i'm just like telling them that what they do that what they do isn't right and i think that if you do that right away you you know you mark that this is my limit like don't cross it and if you do that people will take you more seriously and it is hard to do especially like the first time because you don't want to be like the party pooper you don't want to be the one who destroying the mood and you know making it awkward but i think that in that scenario when something like that happened you like you have to realize that you are not the person who are destroying destroying it it's like the mood is already destroyed it, it already is awkward it's not because of you it's because of the person who did like said a joke or commenting on how you look or or so on so what's next for you both as a as a campaigner and career wise for a start it must be pretty hard to be juggling both of these two hats uh, side by side <laughs> yeah it, it kind of is it's a busy busy time right now uh, professional wise uh, you know I, I just started working at Microsoft so I'm hopefully I will just continue to do great work and help uh, entrepreneurs and uh, business owners uh, but for the B2 movement we're right now we're um, starting up an organization around it uh, we're also going to arrange uh, meetups uh, that we're going to have here at Epicenter uh, and um, so, so that's the plan right now. We're, you know, we're thinking about other stuff like doing a podcast or a TV show. But that's just thoughts, and you know, we have to start not start too big. So an organization and meetups is like step one, uh, because we want to continue the talks. We don't want it to just go away. We want to like you know, people to continue to meet and continue to raising their voice. it for now but we'll be back next week with another program designed to help you get under the skin of sweden's innovative capital all interviewees featured on the stockholmer are independently selected support for this episode comes from move to stockholm and this week's guest was carolyn solhor the podcast is produced by me maddie savage with sound assistance from benoit derriere and music by simeon ghost find more episodes by typing the stockholmer into your search engine or favorite podcast app